and was only suitable for people aged 18 or over will almost certainly have an adult theme and might well contain sex or violence which are quite graphic. It may also contain explicit language, including sexual swear words. Thanks for listening. Uh, but here's what his revelation comes to him. He's kind of got all this stuff, like, uh, touching, wiping, mourning of the animals. Not wiping, whipping. whipping. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, not touch, also not touching. I am, I am dyslexic. I, I hope I'm not having like, a stroke. Do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! And an atheist almost always becomes supporters of eugenics and abortion. A swine is hungry for nuts. Jesus hates him too. Satan is real. Being a Satanist is an open declaration of revolt against counterproductive received wisdom and mindless rogue traditions. Decapitate her head off. We're done. Done. We're done. Obama! Welcome to the Godless Revolution. This is episode 151. Today is Wednesday, April 5. Yes. One, two, three, yes. four, five, and that is when we're recording the show. <laughs> That's going to be our new hit. <laughs> if that doesn't break the top ten on the billboards. <laughs> and Matt's back with us this week. I am Yay! back. Yay. Traffic was, was doable today, yeah. But car Dude, I'm telling you, last wasn't. week, I know Ryan called me a wuss or whatever, but <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even get the, the whole entrance was backed clear. The highway was at a standstill and the whole entrance was all the way backed up onto the road that is where I usually get on. And this was in Orem. Did it have a shoulder? No. Well, yeah, but. Why didn't you use it? It's where in Utah well, you can't show shoulders. Oh. It's also metered, the the. Entrance. Yeah, but oh. a cop was probably busy doing something. Probably. But so they, what, they what was to... I going to do? The whole highway. I could see the overpass was at a standstill. What was I going to do when I got there? Get a helicopter. It already takes me two fucking hours to get here anyway. <laughs> we appreciate the effort. Yeah. Thank you. We do. Uh, <laughs> seriously. Well, and then you had other car problems tonight. Yeah. yeah. But I made it. I sure did. Broken hose. Tonight's show is, I'm excited for it. It's going to be awesome. We're going to do a deep dive into the startling and, and disturbing world of Steve Bannon. Yeah, a guy that's in a position, he has no no reason to be there, and he's scary. But this isn't just any old deep dive. No. Isn't it? Right? Well, I thought that was a good lead-in. To no, our, it's, to it's, our... an, it's an awesome deep dive. Because we, we have a... That's totally fucking left me out to dry there. I don't know what you're going with. Because we, ha- we have a super secret special source. Yes. Yes, we have a, a hitherto cited as unnamed source, but Alexander Scholl wrote all of the information that we're going to be presenting tonight. I worked with him earlier today going through all of the information, and I had a pretty good idea, had a pretty good handle on who... Steve Bannon is as a person, as a, I, I struggle to use the term human being, but just going through all of the information and reviewing it like all in one summary lump. Yeah. He's a pretty fucking frightening dude to have that close to the president and with as much power as he has. Well, I mean, just, just the background of him that I had no, cause the only thing I knew about him was Breitbart alt-right and that was about it that was i mean that's how we came on the scene this election was with breitbart and the alt-right 
and that's scary enough as it is, mm-hmm. then to learn his history and everything else he's been involved in, it's like, wow, this, how the fuck did he get let in this place? Uh, yeah, We're, we'll, we'll talk some, well, yeah. some about that during, during our little breakdown. <clears throat> Excuse me, Jesus. Oh, he's not here. I have had the worst neck pain and allergies over the last little bit. That's still going on? Yeah. Neck pain. Yeah. Yeah, my neck just got really stiff and sore one day hmm. and then got progressively worse for two or three days, like to where I could hardly move my head at all. I ended up going to the doctor and getting yeah. getting meds prescribed. So on tonight's episode, we'll do the first half of this wonderful article that Alexander has written for us. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we'll break it out into... Two parts, one part tonight, and and because it's two parts, we'll do the wait, second wait. part. Wait, we'll do oh, the second, second part. part when you, next week. You're good, Ryan. I got the understanding. Where's the gold stars? Where Where's my stamps? Where did they go? Oh, I, I I put them on my butt. Did you take them home again? I did. Did you put so them all two. over your wall? Well, I thought they were chocolates. God damn it! So Fucking, two I parts can't for keep two weeks. stamps. Or stickers no. around Ryan. Well, fucking lick it. That's why we should go to dot <laughs> com. <laughs> you don't have to worry about postage anymore. Oh, that don't was say bad. that until they pay us. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to do ads. No, that's terrible. Um, you say that now. <laughs> no, nah, that no, nah, it would suck. <laughs> well. I did wear my b- tonight. <laughs> I just went naked. I I, I got a new bed. I, I put the dog down on his <laughs> bed last night. <laughs> I don't have a <laughs> bed, but the dog does. This, yeah, those are about the only three I think I hear everyone fucking do on podcasts. Undies. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well. Outside podcast doesn't do any of those. Well, they do some of those, but they also do like all like the like the sports, like the like backpacking gear and like rain gear and socks and boots. And... You know, it's you know, it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna go through and when I'm editing this, Uh-oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna beep out the names of those <laughs> of those things. <laughs> like like it will be it'll be beep apron uh-huh. and the and the beep bed and the beep undies. <laughs> Do you guys ever listen to Monday Morning Podcast with Bill Burr? No. no. He does the undies. And, like, I remember, I don't know, like, a year or two, two year, year and a half, two years ago when he first started getting them. Uh-huh. That one and berries. And he would just laugh his ass off the whole way. <laughs> he's like, I know you guys are pissed off that I'm not doing these good, but I, this is so fucking hilarious. And so then he started making his own jingle, and he's like, undies. Andy's no more sweaty balls, but boop boop boop. <laughs> just like sing the whole thing. And I was just like, it's like not even part of their whole thing. He just doesn't even care. It's hilarious. I like Bill Burr. He's funny. Yeah. So we will do part one tonight, and then we'll do part two next week. I want to make sure that we we have we leave enough time to cover all of it, and that it, it would also be good because of all of the news today that broke today. Yeah. It'd be good to have the, the like the first part of the show, or the first part of the article from Alexander that we can cover tonight, and then have a week go by, see what shakes out from the shit that happened today, 
and then record the final half and provide updates yeah. to what we talked about. My prediction on what shakes out? Absolutely fucking nothing. Nothing's happened yet. No Republican seems to give a flying fuck. Shark nuggets? Well, that's what shakes out. Yeah. I usually shake twice and at least a little comes out. A little comes out? No, not not come. Just but like more <laughs> more more pee comes out. What are you shaking? Oh, my dick. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like a plan though? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll do that. We because we got to give some got to give him some uplifting news, and I know Matt always has the happiest of news that he brings us to. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, that's a bad plan. <laughs> you don't you didn't bring puppies and kittens and lizards and frogs. No, nope. Oh, oh. We have a little bit of housekeeping. Okay, first before we get into the Steve Bannon stuff, want to thank again Mr. Jason Stock for yeah. being on the show last week. That was a whole lot of fun, man. Yeah. That was a great episode. Yeah. I I had a whole lot of fun. I think we shit, there was still a ton of other things I wanted to ask him and talk about, but in looking at the timer, I was like, holy shit, all that time has already flown by. Yeah. And then I had to edit some stuff out to try to get to get it as close to two hours as possible for the regular show. And you know, we had the the extra extended interview for the Patreon patrons. But shit, we I think I could have talked to him. For another two or three hours easily. I, I know. I, when I listened to it, I, uh, I I thought it was really good. I thought I thought he was a great guest. I was sad to miss it. Yeah. Um, but it went really smoothly, and it was a really interesting story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a really good dude. Uh, so I want to thank him again for coming on the show. We'll have to get him back in here and talk some more about other stuff. That was a lot of fun. I went to Vegas over the weekend. And went into the total wine and more. Yeah. And spent way more money than I should have. Um, but they had a whole section of Utah beers. And so I'm in Las Vegas and there's this giant like mural thing in, on an it's... end cap with Jason's picture on it. <laughs> really? And, yeah. Yeah. I should have taken pictures of it because it was the whole end cap was Squatters and Wasatch yeah. beer with this big picture of which you of won't see that around here. above all of it. But not Squasatch. No. <laughs> it was it was squatters. They, they really missed an opportunity Wasatch. there. I was yeah. sad to hear that that was not a portmanteau. Yeah. I thought that was a little weird. And, I mean, you could have done it both, right? The portmanteau yeah. of squatters and Wasatch mm-hmm. and still been like a yeah, I mean, Sasquatch. They could have made a Yeti beer. Yeah. Yeah, or Bigfoot. Yeah. We received some listener feedback. Yes. For our episode with the Cybabe from a new listener in West Virginia. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Cool country. Um, Hoo-hoo-coal. Hoo-hoo. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is from Brandy, who wrote in and said, Hey, guys. So I just found your podcast because Cybabe posted about it on Facebook the day her episode went live. Thank you, Yvette. I am now working my way backward through the episodes, which may not be the most efficient way to get to know you, but it's how I roll. We don't even know ourselves yet, so don't worry. (laughs) Anyway, I've been a fan of Yvette's for quite a while now. I came for the dick jokes and stayed for the science, which is also backward. So I was instantly interested in hearing what she had to say while being interviewed by three heathens. It was when you got to the part about West Virginia that my ears really perked up, though. 
And in reading this email, I was like, uh oh. Oh, yeah. We're uh-oh. in trouble. She's going to be mad that we're making fun of West Virginia. She continues and says, My partner and I are godless heathens living in the capital city, Charleston. And we have the exact same discussion about this place and the people here all of the time. We love it here. We're both born and raised West Virginians. I came out of insane Christian fundamentalism as well, but that's a story for another day. But we are part of that liberal elite crowd that is a minority here. Mm. Listening to outsiders talk about our state and its politics has become quite exhausting. So when Yvette mentioned West Virginia, I buckled up. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) Understandably. Your conversation nailed it. Hmm. Are there plenty of ignorant rednecks who don't know their ass from a hole in the ground and wouldn't understand the legislative process if their lives depended on it? Sure. But there are also amazingly kind people who are hurting and have been indoctrinated by the religious right to believe they can't vote for certain candidates because of certain issues and be, quote, right with God, end quote. And there are proud people who've made their own way for generations, and right now they see that slipping away and they don't know what the hell to do about it. Mm -hmm. We all know that Trump isn't the answer to any of that. Sure. And when Cybabe said maybe the next Democratic nominee would come here and ask questions, it really struck a chord. Today, our state House of Representatives passed a butchered version of a medical cannabis bill to send back to the Senate for approval. Over 70% of the state has been begging for medical cannabis for years, and it has fallen on deaf ears. Hmm. We have the highest opioid overdose numbers in the country. We have twice the veteran suicides of any other state. We have outrageous numbers of cancer patients. Yeah. And the bill they passed makes it illegal to smoke, buy edibles, grow your own for medicine, and limits the number of growers and dispensaries to such tiny numbers as to basically render it useless for most patients. I just want to pause for a second. I know it's hard when we're doing, but this this is unconscionable, right? Oh yeah, we're we're talking we're talking about people who have served in the military and now have PTSD mm-hmm. and are committing suicide that marijuana would help. And we're talking about other people who are cancer patients from working coal mines, which is a job nobody wants to do, <laughs> except in West Virginia and some parts of Pennsylvania. They'll still do it. They have cancer from that. Give them the fucking weed. Yeah. Well, and come they'll, on. They'll do it because what do you care about? there aren't that many other options, right? Yeah. So you've got all these miners who were working in the mines and getting paid a decent wage. And then as... We move away from coal, those coal miner jobs go away. Well, it's twofold. We both move away from coal and there are automated extraction processes now. So the numbers that people needed to do, it's way down. Yeah, that replaced a lot of miners. So it's it's a one-two punch and and a lot of these people are now displaced from their job. But if this is what they're asking for, what do the politicians care? Why do they care? No, they shouldn't. Actually, did you guys watch- um, uh, last, last week tonight, week tonight yes. with John Oliver. Yes. He did a whole segment on uh, ma- marijuana? medical marijuana. And oh, I have not seen that one yet, but yeah. Yeah, it was just this last episode mm-hmm. on Sunday. And he talked for quite a while about all of the conflicting state laws and how they butt up against um, federal laws, how difficult it is for all of these businesses to, to get into op- business in the first place. and then how difficult it is for them to operate because yeah. they have to operate on an all cash, cash basis. Only. Yeah. They have to pay their taxes. The, so yeah, you get like a, like a, like a suitcase. Yeah. So it's really weird, Full right? Cash. So according to federal law, it is illegal to operate a 
cannabis or, or marijuana mm-hmm. dispensary. But even if it's illegal, you still have to pay taxes. Federal on taxes. <laughs> they should have been called grass stations, right? And he, <laughs> he even mentioned that like the, the part of the IRS tax code is that even if you steal property that's now in your possession, you need to report it, the value of the property you've stolen <laughs> as far as your tax. That, like that's codified in, in tax law. Huh. I thought that was really strange. Yeah, is... So you're saying I can steal a car as long as I pay the taxes on it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, different branches of government, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Her email continues and says, The Republican leadership sent out a letter to its members using scripture to guilt them into voting against its passage. Hmm. 70% of the state wants this. Those of us here who see what's happening are tired. We are infuriated by the lawmakers and big businesses getting good, or I'm sorry, using good, well-meaning people as pawns when our state could thrive. Anyway, I'm rambling now. All that to say, any West Virginia listener who gets it wouldn't be bothered by the conversation you had with Cybabe. It's just reality. We're a proud people, and yes, we want jobs back. Good jobs. Jobs that allow us to plan for futures and be charitable and subscribe to our new favorite podcasts. (laughs) Wink. Thank you. I just hope the liberal elites will realize that there are some of us here in the shit doing what we can to change things for the better. Having difficult conversations, calling our legislators, raising hell one day at a time. If you've made it through all this, thank you for taking the time. You've truly gained a new fan. Have a good one. Well, that's sweet. Yeah, thank you very much, Brandy. That was very nice. You have a good one as well. It really does suck when they use religion as a scare tactic for its leaders and citizens to get them to vote a certain way. Yeah, as a cudgel to to nudge people in one direction or the other. It's bullshit. Or to beat people into submission. I honestly have no idea why people... Why anybody votes Republican anymore? I, I really, I, I, I God really, told them to. really don't know. I think, I think a lot of it is just they've they've been fed a steady diet of misinformation, and a lot of it is just born of ignorance. I mean, you've got you've got these poor miners, these poor people that are being put out of work, like I said, because of the one-two punch of mm-hmm. increased automation and moving away from the coal industry, and it's all they've known. Yeah. All they've known is coal mining. They, you know. They're they're so set on that's the solution to their problems because it always has been that they don't stop to think about, well, hey, maybe we could get some new training. And instead of chasing after this old, dirty, failing way of creating energy, we can get retrained in new technologies. Well, considering that- And how to install solar yeah. panels, set up wind farms, you know, do do all of this green technology stuff that would make the United States a world leader again in, in, in new techno- and emerging yeah. technologies, help clean the environment, and give these people jobs. Especially mm. when a report came out, I think it was last week, saying that there is now more people employed in renewable energy than there is in fossil fuels. I think I remember seeing something about that. But as I had actually- had a discussion with someone else once, there's going to come that time when that number is going to drop again because they're going to find a way to automate those processes. Yeah. Right now, I mean, renewable energy is such a new thing right now. And a lot of the stuff is being built by hand. They haven't automated a lot of it yet. But once they figure out the way to automate it. It'd be tough to automate building the big windmills. The the building of them, they won't be able to, but they'll be able to automate some of the manufacturing, a lot of the parts and everything. Well, right now, a lot of those are probably specialty parts that, you know, few places are making and they're not making them with giant machines they're making them well with big machines but more by hand there's more hands-on yeah. uh, development in those things hmm. but yeah i thought that was interesting yeah always nice to have a new listener 
Yes, and thank you for get the feedback from people as yeah, well. So thanks for the email. Thank you very much for that, for sure. I think we'll take a quick break here and be back and with getting the Steve shit. Bannon on the other side. This is Danielle Moscato, civil rights activist, trans woman, extraordinaire, and public speaker. You are listening to Godless Revolution, and I hope you enjoy the show. I, this was just announced. I, I, I just read it, so I can't confirm it's true, but apparently his campaign has taken away his Twitter. In the, in the last two days, they, they had so little confidence... In his self-control, they said, we're just going to take away your Twitter. Now, if, if somebody can't handle a Twitter account, they can't handle the nuclear codes. If somebody starts tweeting at 3 in the morning because SNL made fun of you, then you can't handle the nuclear codes. Please stand by. The Godless Revolution will continue in a moment. Here follows a public service announcement for the Two Skeptical Chaps podcast. (laughs) Greetings, Americans. Over here in London, we are well aware that not all of you are loud, xenophobic, racist, sexist, religious nuts. But many of your politicians who display these frightful traits seem to be quite popular. Particularly a certain wall-obsessed, small-handed, best word-using, daughter-perving, war-inciting, candy-floss-headed clown. To those of you who choose to follow such balderdash, we strongly recommend not to listen to the two sceptical chaps. It probably won't be your cup of tea. Otherwise, give us a listen. Each episode, we cover any news or current affairs from across the globe. Things that annoy or delight us. That's two, as in the number two. And sceptical with a K. The wrong way to spell it. Cheerio! Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast now. This comes at a very auspicious time because Alexander Scholl wrote this for us and has been working on this for several weeks now. Yeah. Uh, in, in talking to him, he asked if there was something he could do to help the show and if, if we wanted him to research anything. And so we decided, yeah, research Steve Bannon for us, put some shit together that we can report on that heinous fucker because that would be good. We could do a whole show on it. And he put together a pretty amazing package that I'm excited to go through. And I mentioned that it's auspicious because just today, Steve Bannon was, was removed from the National Security yeah. Council. There's some speculation about the reasons why that may be the case. I'm thinking but, Nunez did some talking like, hey, you might want to move him because some shit's rolling down. Shit's coming down the pike, yo. I I hope something happens of all this, but I really I'm really not sure anything will. But is it too much to say of Alexander that he holds a position that is credible uh, for this type of research? Is it too much to say of Alexander that he? Oh, you mean like what? What? I'm just is trying to say, like, qualified to provide this type of information? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm well, trying the thing to, is, I'm trying to keep his secrecy, but also 
build his credibility as well because he gave us he's not cited sources on all of this we've got but he's also just not some slouch like no he comes he comes from a position of uh being able to speak with some authority on these things yeah of having some experience in doing some like some investigative work he should be an investigative journalist yeah yeah i think i think that would be awesome and this and yeah, you know, I, I sat down with him earlier today to finalize and yeah. go through all of this information, and I'm just I'm blown away at how fucking amazing this is and how much work he put into this. But the breaking news today, and this is I'm just reading from the document provided here, says that as of 12:27 Eastern Standard Time, Bannon has been removed from the National Security Council. The Trump administration claims the reason he was originally placed on the council was in order to quote keep an eye on disgraced former NSC advisor Michael Flynn. Which makes no sense. No, not at all. It it doesn't make any fucking sense. If they wanted to keep an eye, if they thought there was a problem that they needed to keep an eye on him, why the fuck is he on the National Security Council in the first place? Well, it doesn't make sense in that way either. Well, that doesn't make sense. But the fact that Flynn's been gone, he resigned um, three weeks ago, a month ago? I don't. It seems like years. It does with, with all of the shit that but, goes down in this administration. But if that's if that was his role there, then why was he still sitting on that panel when yeah. when Flynn was gone? True. Current speculation is that major news will soon drop about the FBI investigation on Russian interference in the 2016 presidential campaign and possible collusion between Breitbart and Russian active measures. Of course, Steve Bannon is the is he a CEO for Breitbart. Yeah, I thought he was. He was the head. Top dog. This might indicate that the Trump administration is attempting to distance itself from Bannon. As of the time of the article's completion, no further information is available, and Bannon continues to be Trump's chief strategist. Yeah, and that's the big thing, is Trump didn't get rid of him. He didn't say, oh, you're removed from the West Wing. You no longer have an office here. Pack up your things and go home. No, he's just no longer sitting on that Security Council, so he's still in Trump's ear. And like I said, this this happened today, the, yes. like the day where we sat down to record this after weeks and weeks of Alexander going through and doing all of this work. Yeah. So, I mean, this is like the perfect time to record this, but know that there's still a shit ton of information that's going to be coming mm-hmm. in the next few days, probably before we are actually able to release this episode. Yeah. So, but at least it's it's very timely information as of right now. I mean, who who knows? With what the, shit with the way will be things are up going yeah. now and, and Monday when this is released. Uh, but uh, in addition to what I just read, there was an update that according to the New York Times, this change is due to General McMaster asserting himself as the leader of the NSC. He will also reset the NSC to the post 9-11 configuration it had for the Bush and Obama presidencies. This should mean the chairman, joint chiefs of staff and the director of national intelligence will be restored to their positions on the principals committee. It is not presently known whether the Ezra Cohen Watnick, a senior director of intelligence, will be removed. Cohen Watkins was added to the council by Flynn, and McMaster's wanted his removal. Cohen Watkins appealed to Bannon and was retained. Cohen Watkins was one of the White House staffers implicated in releasing information to House Intelligence Committee Chairman Devin Nunes related to the Trump Russia investigation. So mm. it'll be interesting to see what happens. With Cohen Watkins. Yeah. If he is also gone, then we'll have a pretty clear indication that this was at the direction of General McMaster. Yeah. 
And well, Bannon's going to want to keep people in those positions that he knows he can have control over and having his reporting back to him to be able to report to Trump going, hey, this is what's coming down. This is how we've got this going. You know, it's he doesn't want people that are going to oppose him. He wants people that are going to work for him. Yes. Not think for themselves. Yeah. I wanted to start us off with a little bit of a clip from Glenn Beck where he gives us some information on his views of Steve Bannon that I thought were were pretty good and interesting coming from Glenn Beck. Of course, Glenn Beck is not a fan of Donald Trump, so keep that in mind as well. And we haven't heard from the Becky in a while. That's fine. He's still a <laughs> douchebag. Glenn, I'm wondering, from what you heard about Steve Bannon today, did, did you learn anything about him that, that surprised you, or did it confirm what you've already believed about him? No, it confirmed what I already believed. Um, what is frightening to me is the the lack of reaction from the crowd at CPAC. He he dropped economic nationalism two or three times uh, during that. Um, he talked about populism and nationalism a lot. I, I don't know what Steve Bannon's plan is after he would burn down the system, but he has talked repeatedly about burning the system down to the ground. And that, that will come up during our discussion yeah. later as well. Um, that's not good. We, no conservative would be for that. We are for conserving the Constitution of the United States of America. He has, he has carried through on some of the promises that I didn't think he would. I didn't think we'd get some, a, a real conservative on the Supreme Court. This is a real conservative on the Supreme Court. Um, so he has done some things that a conservative will like. However, they weren't separating that from the nationalist populist talk at the main conservative stage. Conservatives, they're telling you who they are. They're telling you what they're going to do. And we just seem to be turning a blind eye to it. Right now, we're left with a country not knowing who to trust, not knowing, knowing that what the president is saying is not true but then saying, well, but I don't believe them either. Right. Where is the authority? You can't just burn a system down. You can't just burn a system down. But that is what Ben, that's, that's what Bannon is actually yeah. working toward doing. And we'll talk a little bit and probably uncover here why he might want to burn that system down. This is a little off track, but I just want to shit on Glenn Black for a second. Glenn, Please do. Glenn Beck. Because fuck that guy. Because now now he's talking about where's the authority. When Obama was doing it and had control of everything, he was a fucking dictator. Yeah. Who was constantly overreaching. Fuck you guys. Fuck you conservatives. What do you want? You don't even know what you want. Do they want to be hyperbolic? They they want a person in authority. They want a strong authoritarian. Yeah, right? but but not. But Obama was too much, and he wasn't even he an was authoritarian. Yeah, that's a good. Point. He was a dictator. Yeah. He was he was constant overreach. Constant, you know, he all these executive orders. He's a Muslim dictator. We have this dictator in the White. What the fuck do you want? <laughs> now you have a real dictator, and you're saying you don't have an authority. Yeah, true. God. <laughs> I'm just gonna read from the the piece from Alexander. Introduction says that much has been written about Stephen Steve Kevin Bannon. This piece rests on the investigative work performed by more journalists and political operatives than I could name. Other articles have focused on his past, his foul treatment of his many wives, mm -hmm. his worrying bookshelf, or mm -hmm. his apparent white supremacy, or focus on, quote, 
economic nationalism. In this article, I hope to weave together these and more aspects of Bannon to perform a deeper analysis into his way of thinking so the listeners can make their own conclusions as to the depth and impact of his philosophy and on the policy decisions of the Trump White House. Brief Biography Steve Bannon was born November 27, 1953 in Redmond, Virginia, and is currently age 63. He was born to a pro-Kennedy, pro-Union Democrat family with Irish Catholic beliefs. What went wrong? I think it's the Irish Catholic part. Oh. <laughs> I think it's the Catholic part. Yeah, because yeah, I'm Irish, kind of. Kind of. Mr. Duffy. It de- <laughs> depends on the day for you. Sometimes you say you're German. Sometimes you say you're Irish. Well, I, I got an Irish name. <laughs> so you're Jirish. Yeah. German-Irish? I'm German-Irish. Irishman-y. I have some German, too. There's some Irishman-y in there. <laughs> like 10%. I guess I'm like 27%. Many, many Irish. Bannon is regarded by his peers as one of the most educated or at least well-read members of the far right. Oh, he's from Virginia, and well, he's far from the far right. Well, he's read all the KKK handbooks, mm. so he's well-read. Well, he's, he's been to college, though, and he's a far-right Republican, so... Yeah, he he has been to college. He attended Virginia Tech, earning a bachelor's in urban design. Next, That's... he earned a master's degree in national security studies from Georgetown University School of Foreign Service. Hmm. He also earned a master of business administration with honors at Harvard Business School. So he's got some education. Yeah, yeah. He won't deny that he's got good education. There. He's been edumacated. He's, he wasn't going to all Christian schools. He started his career. Right. <laughs> he started his career as a naval surface warfare officer, and then as special assistant to the chief of naval operations at the Pentagon, retiring from the Navy as a lieutenant. O three, this rank is standard for a military officer serving a single commission to achieve by the end of their time served. So I take that to mean he, he had an. He did the bare minimum to get the thing that most people get when they leave. He didn't. He didn't have exemplary service. He he didn't. Well, the thing about with about your your, rank. your ranks are you there get to be in for certain times in order to get them. So mm. just doing one, you know, uh, enlistment, he achieved the rank that would be expected in one enlistment. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. All so right. so he was he was not dishonored. He was at least average to above. Yeah. He 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 it, shows it was that very he, normal. Yeah. Very normal. Yeah. You did fine, Bannon. Just yeah. fine. Yeah. Following his time in the military, Bannon became an investment banker with Goldman Sachs. Mm. You know, just the kind of guy that you want to drain the swamp with. Yeah, I thought he, right. he was. That's, that's kind of swampy. <laughs> <laughs> While his position was vice president, an article written by a former Goldman Sachs employee in Bloomberg claims that vice president is a courtesy title handed out to roughly one third of its employees. And of course, they're not all officers. This assertion was validated in the court decision Sergei Alenikov versus the Goldman Sachs Group Incorporated. Despite having worked as an investment baker, Bannon has a nuanced and vindictive view toward the contemporary investment banking industry. Hmm. In 1990, Bannon spun up an investment firm of his own, and among other less noteworthy investments, he eventually accepted a stake in the comedy Seinfeld, from which he derives much of his fortune. I don't know if that was just good luck. Really? Yes. I thought that was very interesting. I did too. Yeah. Well, I hate Seinfeld, so that's fine. <laughs> I, I like Seinfeld. 
From 1993 to 1995, Bannon was the acting director of the Biosphere 2 project. Yeah, that fuck up. You guys know much about the yeah. Biosphere and Biosphere 2 project? No. Yeah, I remember. I was yeah. I was big into the Biodome movie. Oh, yeah? Is that the one with Polly Shore? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I think I kind of do remember the Biosphere project. Yeah. Uh, it was a failed attempt to test a self-sustaining, fully sealed environment yes. for humans and other flora and fauna. While directing the project, two former crew members of the Biosphere forced open an airlock in an attempt to warn the current crew about Bannon's threat to their safety. The former crew members had previously delivered Bannon a five-page summary on the risks to the present crew, which, in a 1996 lawsuit, Bannon testified that he promised to, quote, shove down her fucking throat. He also called one of the former crew members, Abigail Ailing, her Alling, Quote, self-centered, deluded young woman and a bimbo. You remember the movie Biodome at all? I remember it had Polly Shore in it. Well, there was the one scientist monkey, that, went, I think. that went crazy and uh-huh. like went against all the other people in the Biodome. And they started making like grenades out of coconuts and shit. Did that also have Brendan Fraser? Oh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know, but I well, do not like that guy. Ice, ice man. No, it I mean, was no, I mean, it wasn't Brendan Fraser. It wasn't Brendan Fraser. I should say he's a nice enough guy, but he just as an actor, he's so cheesy. It's Fraser. Well, yeah. yeah, I can just see Bannon being the crazy guy that was in there trying to make it work, no matter what the fuck was going to happen. Right, right. Hmm. And hating his crew. Mm-hmm. At the end of the lawsuit, the court ruled in favor of the former crew members, awarding them about six hundred thousand dollars though they were required to pay about $50,000 for damages caused to the Biosphere. The Biosphere 2 project, like its predecessor, failed famously. That's probably why I remember it, because it, it failed famously. <laughs> it, it really did. <laughs> yeah, I was, so as, I'm, as I was reading through this earlier and, and working with Alexander back and forth, uh, you know, I, I started reading up on a bunch of the stuff that he's got included in here, and Biosphere 2 had problems with, both the oxygen levels mm-hmm. dropping, the CO2 levels rising, every single insect in there that they started out with, every pollinating insect died. Uh, they had uh, cockroaches and a native species of ant who accidentally got trapped in the biosphere just proliferated. So they were they were inundated with cockroaches and ants and morning glory started growing mm-hmm. all over the fucking place and shading out the actual plants that they wanted to grow in there. And then part of the uh, reason for the fluctuating oxygen and CO2 levels was sunlight exposure on part of the concrete structure itself that was uh, acting as a filter and absorption pad Mm -hmm. for both oxygen and CO2. So the whole thing was kind of the, it was a design flaw initially, but then they had a whole bunch of other problems. Yeah. This is Matt Dillahunty, and you're listening to The Godless Revolution. Well, Mother Teresa was a fanatic, um, fundamentalist, and a fraud. She was not a friend of the poor, as she claimed to be. She was a friend of poverty. Preached it as as a good thing, as a gift from God, something to be welcomed along with other kinds of suffering. Wasn't interested in alleviating it. Was a friend of the rich. Took money from the Duvalier family in Haiti, one of the most obscenely bloated uh, dynastic dictatorships in history, uh, took money from Charles Keating, the man who robbed Americans blind through the Lincoln Savings and Loan, stolen money, um, all to build convents in her own name, uh, more than 200 of them around the world, 
in order to found an order that bore her name. This is not modesty either, nor is it humility. It doesn't exhaust my critique of her either. The next rant will start right after this. Hey everybody, this is X. And I'm Kyle. And I'm Felicia. We're the Utah Outcasts. Three out, unashamed, and active atheists living in Utah. And we are personally inviting you to let us love your ears each and every week. As we take the news, current events, and pop culture and give it a little twist. A love twist, with consent. And we'll be joined each week by a special guest to tell us what makes them an outcast like us. Come find us. The Utah Outcasts. On PodHell.com, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And on UtahOutcast.com. We finally bought that domain off the kids handing out mixtapes in the mall. Come be an outcast with us. Take care of yourselves out there. Bonne nuit. And you're welcome. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Beginning in the 1990s and for the next two decades, Bannon devoted much of his time to document filmmaking. Documenta- documentary. Documentary. Filmmaking. <laughs> he most famously produced... Contemplative. <laughs> Con- contemplative. He most famously produced films supporting Michelle Bachman and Sarah Palin. He also produced Generation Zero, a film strongly based on the pseudoscientific generational theory of Strauss and Howe. This film and the impact of the philosophy underlying it on Bannon's thinking will be discussed later on. Was it Strauss? And how. And how. (laughs) I don't know how he Strauss. (laughs) It's also worth noting that Bannon is executive chair of the so-called Government Accountability Institute, a think tank responsible for the production of the thoroughly debunked Clinton cash book and the eponymous documentary. Documentary. Yeah, you said that right. Did I say it right? Mm -hmm. It sounded weird. Based on you can't say documentary. <laughs> documentary. And I, it bothers me. Yeah, Government Accountability Institute is just not one of those groups that's like, yes. oh, they sound like they're doing something great. Uh-huh. That sounds, they, that sounds they, like they sound smart. real thing. Like the, it's like e- the Eagle Forum. Yeah, they sound the, like they're a great group. Yeah, the Eagle Flag <laughs> Family Faith Center or whatever. And how God. could you be against a million moms? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Upon the death of Andrew Breitbart, Bannon was appointed executive chairman of the website bearing his name. While presiding over Breitbart, Bannon wrote editorials for the site and hosted his own Breitbart-affiliated radio show on Patriot Radio on Sirius XM. Yeah, there again. Breitbart and its nature under Bannon's tenure will be discussed further in its own section. After Corey Lewandowski and Paul Manafort stepped down, Bannon became CEO of Donald Trump's presidential campaign. Upon Trump's inauguration, Bannon was named assistant to the president and White House chief strategist. Which, if I'm not mistaken, were both made-up jobs by Trump. Yes. Well, I think I think it's funny, too, like, when I see assistant to the president, which I believe Is his the, daughter uh, also has that yeah, title now. Uh, pro- yeah. It reminds yeah. it reminds me of The Office, though. There's a bunch of Dwight Schrutz. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're not the assistant president. You're the assistant <laughs> to, to the, the president. Assistant, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he is effectively a co-chief of staff, and the level of power he has in influencing Trump's policy decisions merits a section of its own. Oh, my God. Steve Bannon is Dwight Schrute if you <laughs> filled him with a bunch of fucking noxious gases. I wonder what he knows about beets. swell him out probably a lot. And bears. From Biosphere. <laughs> and, of course, there was, a, there was a big controversy when Bannon was made a principal member of the National Security yeah. Council. While the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the director of national intelligence were relegated to the non-permanent committee position. Of course, that all changed 
today. Yeah. Well, plus to note that that position that Bannon took was not a position that had to be voted on. He was just given it. Appointed, so, yeah. Yeah, he, he was just appointed to it, and nobody had a vote to say, well, hey, he's qualified, not this qualified. This my guy, Steve. He's going to sit on your panel now. He's going to listen to all the most secretive stuff in the world. Hey, you, you, you the one guy there that's been there for a long time, and you the other guy that's been there for a long time, you're not there anymore. My Steve guy <laughs> now. My guy Steve. He's the guy now. That guy Steve. He's my gonna, gonna be he, my guy. He showed me how to get the A-track that was stuck in my car out. <laughs> He's smart. A final piece of background. In 1996, Bannon awoke on his couch after a night of drinking, which you would never, ever guess based on his appearance. His then-wife, Mary Louise Picard, I love that last name, Picard, was loading their oh, children into of, a car. I, I wasn't going to say it, but now I have to. Okay. Okay. Because just a minute ago, <clears throat> when Ryan was like, he's smart. Do you guys remember that episode? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we are dumb. You are smart. <laughs> and like, but why do you want, on, on the next generation? Yeah. yeah they're like, we need Mr. LaForge. He is smart. He 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 knows of things that will make us go. <laughs> anyway, and then Picard came up, and I had to say it. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to uh, a different show, I guess. <laughs> but his then-wife, Mary Louise Picard, was loading their children into a car. Picard would later claim in sworn court testimony that Bannon yeah. uh, leaped yeah. up in a fury and pulled her away from the vehicle by grabbing her by the throat and arm. Terrified, she ran to a phone to call the police. Bannon threw her across the room to remove her from the phone, then smashed mm. it on a countertop. He screamed that she was, quote, A crazy fucking cunt! I have heard this story, actually. After this, he left the home. Charges were pressed against Bannon for misdemeanor domestic violence, battery, and dissuading a witness, according to court documentation. Picard wrote of another incident with Bannon in her 2007 court declaration against him. She said that Bannon didn't want her, their twin daughters attending the Archer School for Girls in Los Angeles. Why would he not want them to go there? Because many Jewish students were enrolled at the elite institution. Uh... Quote, the biggest problem he had with Archer is the number of Jews that attend, Picard said. He said that he doesn't like the way they raise their kids to be whiny brats and that he didn't want the girls going to school with Jews. Wait, doesn't hmm. he now work with Jared Kushner? Yeah, but he's not a real Jew. He's just Jewish for the money. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just just saying you're Jew Jewish gets you a bunch of gold bars immediately? Yes, well, that's how it works. Well, th what the fuck? <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> you got to work at Green Gots for a little while. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Bannon and his lawyer persuaded Picard that if she pressed the, that if she pressed charges, she would lose her children. Eventually, she was convinced to leave town. Quote, I was told that I could go anywhere in the world. His attorney, along with respondent, arranged for me to leave town until the trial was over and it was okay for me to return home. I left town for two weeks with the children and was an hour and a half away by car until the attorney phoned me and told me I could come back, she wrote. The case against Bannon was dropped when Picard failed to arrive to court. Hmm. I wonder why they wanted her to leave and go anywhere in the world. Anywhere you want, just until we can get this thrown out of court. Yeah. A brief primer on Breitbart and the alt-right. Think pieces on Breitbart and the alt-right have been done to death. At this point, most listeners know what it is. The alt-right, that is. Yeah. In the event that you don't, 
Here's a brief overview of the site and some interesting pieces of information that have not been broadly reported. Milo Yiannopoulos, oh, Milo. everybody's favorite pedophilia enthusiast and polemicist, wrote an article on Breitbart called The Establishment Conservative's Guide to the Alt-Right. In this piece, he highlights what he believes are intellectual and evolutionary roots of conservatism in the alt-right movement. He cites, among others, the fascist thinker Julius Evola as one of their intellectual predecessors. He also co-opts the writing of Jonathan Haidt to argue for an evolutionary basis of humans desiring to withdraw to a stratified authoritarian form of social organization. Uh, it's worth noting that Haidt likely wouldn't support this interpretation of his work. In his book, The Righteous Mind, he highlights 14 core drives of the human psyche, a sort of alternative Maslow's hierarchy of needs. While Haidt acknowledges that religion and authoritarian social constructs reliably fulfill the most core drives, he does not support those institutions as the best or most moral way to achieve them. At this point, Milo launches into a tirade against the so-called regressive left. In support of the red pill type movement, he mirrors the nanny state ideology of Nassim Taleb and attempts to dismiss the racism associated with the movement. He highlights the 1488 movement, a modern neo-Nazi movement largely communicating online with a vast array of shibboleths. He does this all while acknowledging Richard Spencer as the founder of the alt-right movement. That's the guy you can punch, right? No. Oh. <laughs> it's the guy It's the guy a lot of people would like to punch. Oh, okay. And one person did. And yeah. yeah. A couple people Two, actually. I, I think got, it's yeah, at least twice. Yeah, punched twice. Yeah. Mm. On TV. You guys know about what the 1488 movement is? I do not. So it is... Bring America back to 1488? No, it is a... Mm. Well, it, it is a modern neo-Nazi movement. The The numbers here are key. So 14 oh. is related to the 14 words used by white nationalists. The 14 words are, quote, we must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. I think I've seen this done in like the tattoos that they do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, when you'll yeah. see you'll see uh racists with tattoos of 14 or 88 or yeah, or 1488 or, together. Yeah. And the 88 is for the the 8 represents the eighth letter of the alphabet. Which So it translates to HH which stands for Heil uh, Hitler. Yeah. Which sounds crazy, right? Like it I mean to make those leaps and those associations kind of sounds like Alex Jones type conspiracy theory nut stuff, but it's, that's what that's yeah that's true documented stuff. Once you started talking about, it, I remember seeing a sh uh, episode on Vice where they were actually with the neo Nazi group, and the guy had the fourteen on one forearm and the eighty eighty eight on the other forearm, so you'd hold mm -hmm. up his arms like fists in the air like an old timey boxer, and you'd see the fourteen eighty eight on his arms. Uh, yeah. And he told the guy in Vice News exactly what it was. Now that I'm remembering, I'm like, yep, that. Rings a bell now. Yeah. The Southern Poverty Law Center defines the alt-right as a loose set of far-right ideologies at the core of which a, is a belief that white identity is under attack through policies prioritizing multiculturalism, political correctness, and social justice and must be preserved, usually through white-identified online communities and physical ethnostates. Which, what is wrong with multiculturalism? It's destroying Western civilization, it's, Ryan. Yeah, but it's, it's tearing apart the fabric of our of our white ancestry, of our hey, Judeo Christian yes. values. Okay, I got an idea. All the dumb fucks that want to be separated from all the other races and multiculturalism, you can go get in the fucking coal mines. I just, I just, <laughs> I just want to say, 
I, I have two people as examples of why this is a bad idea. Hmm. Lenny Kravitz, half Jew, half black. Ooh, where would he go? Beautiful person. Oh, yeah. Steve Bannon, white nationalist. I'm sorry, but I'd rather live in a world of Lenny Kravitz's. <laughs> okay. Although, has Lenny Kravitz came out with an album in the last 20 years? I don't care. Huh. What What did Lenny Kravitz do for me today? Yeah, what about lately? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His daughter's an actor. She was in Mad Is Max. She? Oh, I didn't know he had a daughter. Yeah. So I don't, I don't follow Lenny Kravitz. What's Steve Bannon's <laughs> daughter done besides not go to Jewy school? <laughs> Watch daddy beat up on mommy. <laughs> right. I was going to say something worse. I'll hold back from that one. Healthy. <laughs> uh, so that primer out of the way, here's what's important to know about Bannon's involvement in Breitbart after assuming control. While running the site, it posted articles such as Bill Crystal, Republican spoiler, renegade Jew. <laughs> uh, renegade Jew. Gabby Giffords, the gun control movement's human shield. Oh, God. That's a little insensitive. And birth control makes women unattractive and crazy. In one piece, Bannon argues that the site has zero tolerance for radical and anti-Semitic views while referring to the fact that he had Zionists write the site in the past. That's, that doesn't work. No, you, you can't, you can't, you can't on one hand say we're, there's going to be zero tolerance for anti-Semitic views and then refer to some of your previous writers as Zionists. Who are very anti-Semitic. That's, that that doesn't that's what they are. That doesn't that doesn't work. Uh he needs a dictionary. Ben Shapiro, former writer for Breitbart, a Jew. <laughs> took <laughs> Alleged, <Yeah>. allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> His first name is Ben. <laughs> right. Took extreme umbrage with Bannon, arguing that he had turned the site into a Pravda for Trump. Especially he, he did. Yeah. Especially when one of Breitbart's own writers was assaulted by Corey Lewandowski at a Trump rally. And the site took Corey's side in the dispute. Shapiro further claimed that, quote, the site was different before Bannon came along. It is worth noting that Robert Mercer is a key investor in Breitbart. You may have heard of Mercer before, given his involvement with a UK-based company called Cambridge Analytics. This company uses a method called psychographics to create extremely targeted advertisements. There's a bridge with this connection to the Trump-Russia case, but it is beyond the scope of this bio. So psychographics are things like like you would see on Rednecks for Trump, right? Yeah. Where it's it's a giant truck with a with a flag waving overlay on it with an eagle and stars. It's it's all a jingo, very jingoistic just a, psychographics. Appeal to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, appeal to the psyches of or, or, or anything people, in advertising yeah. where they look at saying, hey, this is our key market. What appeals to them? Oh, this color makes them think this way. This image makes them think this way. So using psychology to, you know, get into your, yeah, to, your clients or your, your prospective customers' minds. Hi, this is Yvette Dontremont, a.k.a. The Cybabe, and you're listening to Godless Revolution. You can find me at Cybabe.com, at my Twitter account, at The Cybabe. And if you've hunt really hard... You can find me at Pornhub. I dare you. It seems to me that those people who have their faith, who believe so strongly in God, if they really believe strongly their God, they believe they're right, they believe that they, they, are, they occupy the moral high ground, they should be only too willing to sit down and put this 
not to the scientific test, but to the political, moral discussion test of talking about why they believe what they believe. You Are you up to the task of explaining to the rest of us who don't have your hotline to God why you're right? You and the Godless Revolution will be reassimilated in three, two, one. And this will be the last section that we cover tonight, and we'll follow up with the rest of the article next week. So that should be very interesting. I'm looking forward to see what shakes out over the next week and what new news is presented that we'll have to present to you as a present next week. Influential literature and figures. In order to understand Bannon, it's important to know what he reads. I'm not the first person to write on this topic. Salon, Politico, and the New York Times have dedicated think pieces to Bannon's bookshelf. Each has looked at a particular aspect of the literature's influence on him, but none acknowledge the degree to which they form a mosaic of white Christian fascism. I'll set forth in one major piece of literature at a time to construct his worldview. It is barely worth noting that he is heavily inspired by Edmund Burke, the father of conservatism in the English-speaking world. This is a major work for conservative intellectuals among the movement, especially for purists. The largest takeaway of its influence is that he disregarded issues such as human rights, social justice, and equality, instead preferring tradition. The Institute of Tradition, Burke said, is the vehicle by which societies weed out those behaviors which are harmful from those which have lasting benefit. Except the interesting thing here is it's only tradition because it's based on those who were, you know, from the position of those who were in power at the time. Right. I was going to say it, it has mm -hmm. lasting benefit for those who stay in power, not yeah. for any of the marginalized groups. Yeah, exactly. You know, like there there are no, well, as far as I can tell, the, you know, maybe Ben Carson excluded African-American traditionalists because slavery is not appealing. No. no. Right. Nobody wants that. Like, that's not what we want to go back to. So these are people who are pining for times where they had total dominative control of other people. Yeah, and that, that's that when they say make America great again, that's the type of shit that's that exactly talking what they about. mean. Yeah. Where yeah. you don't have to pay your employees a, a good wage yeah. or they don't have any protections from their employer taking advantage of them. Right. And Industrial slash Victorian work conditions yeah. with, with, you know, slave like uh, conditions for, for the, the employees. Yeah. And when you could slap your secretary in the ass and. Drop a oh, right, drop right. some drop things on the floor that you'd have to bend over and pick yeah, up. Yeah, sure, and, sure. Yeah. Juxtaposed against this view, however, Bannon also holds in close regard a book called Anti Fragile, written by Nassim Taleb. On its surface, the book is contrary to Burke in that it pushes heavily for painful, violent change. Taleb believes that big government or a nanny state prevents people from being challenged and therefore breeds an ever weaker population in a sort of anti-Darwinist ecosystem where the ill-fit fail to be weeded out. Bannon argued in Generation Zero that black victimization was the reason for the 2007 housing collapse due to dependency on government and the undermining of capitalism. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it had nothing to do with cap pure capitalism. So, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't due yeah. to predatory lending. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, no, he's, no, no. he's saying that the victims of the predatory lending are the whole reason Same. that this collapse yeah. happened in the first place which is nonsense that's bullshit because they didn't well the banks i mean didn't have to do that kind of lending and selling off of stuff it was their way of trying to make money yeah i mean to be fair though you know auschwitz would have been able to run longer if it didn't have all that soot in the chimney <laughs> mm. 
Disappointed they didn't kill the chimney sweep. <laughs> Bannon marries these two works in his opposition to the present liberal democratic form of government. When taking Burke and Taleb through his Christian authoritarian view, the liberal democratic order creates weakness, and it requires a return to the traditions which, in his view, worked for society to return to greatness. Mm. Ah. Social justice, human rights, and equality don't better a society, but instead allow the weak to persist. Mm -hmm. In a Christian government, he envisions the poor and infirm will be cared for by the churches, but not enabled. Um, in which church has ever said they would do anything like that? Because they got to spend money on that. It's the shit like this where people buy into the narrative of of fucking the tax Mother Teresa and, yeah. being being a saint. Yeah. She's she's now a saint after basically allowing people to be tortured in yep. pain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She would withhold pain medication from them. She made them live in live in horrible uh, on on the ground. They some of them have beds. They're <laughs> yeah. laying on the ground yeah, dying. Terribly filthy conditions. Used needles, spreading HIV and AIDS throughout them and other communicable but, diseases. But even that isn't traditionalism. What did Jesus do? Uh, you know he did what I'm saying? If you want to be a traditionalist, what did Jesus do with, with the whores, right? Or with the poor or with the meek? He helped them. I can't believe you're fucking making me defend Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> God. The, the means by which Bannon would achieve such a Christian state is found in his admiration for the Italian fascist writer Evola, an author who is quite literally only whispered about in academic circles due to the stigma surrounding his writings. Evola was a quintessential fascist and a traditionalist. He viewed major historical progressive movements such as the Renaissance, Humanism, and the Protestant Reformation instead as regressive, taking the West away from transcendental truths. He did not believe in using dialectics or debates to return to halcyon days, but instead to blow things up. It is also important to note the degree to which Evola was anti-woman, and not just in an anti-feminist sense. He had a deep-seated disrespect and hatred for them. So, in other words, he was a true misogynist, not just a sexist. Yeah. Bannon seeks a traditionalist form of government rooted in Catholic-like authoritarianism and based on his literature and speeches will absolutely use chaos and violence as a means to achieve them. This is a man looking for a Reichstag fire. I mean, well, Catholicism has long been a fan of those of both chaos and violence to achieve their means. But it also sounds Absolutely. like he wants to enact uh, the Hunger Games. I mean, I mean, let him battle it out and the strongest win and get to survive and the weak get to hope someone prays for them. Well, and it also discounts the the fact that those in power generally inherit that power. Yeah. It it provides no real means or no or no equal footing for people to to climb the rungs of success into power. It just makes the people at the well, top maintain and it's, keep it's a, and control it's a, it's the power a, that they already have. It's a caste system. Well, yeah. it's just like, I mean, and this goes back to what George W. Bush said, you know, like, I'm fine with a dictatorship so long as I'm the dictator. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Of course, that's how anybody, you fucking moron. But that's how these people think, you know, they they don't care if if those things are. And this goes back to something that we received uh, from a a source earlier you know about the values of different political that's not fair who cares conservatives don't fucking care what's fair right they want authority they yeah. want right and wrong black and white 
They don't care if you think it's fair or not. Yeah, notions of fairness aren't aren't something that they take into consideration. Or or at least they're 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 lower down on the on the priority list. Or or their idea of fair is well you got equal access. You know, you can get a Ferrari too if you want. Which is so weird to me because so many conservatives are religious. And isn't that based on an idea of fairness? Because when you say you're an atheist, well, what do you mean? Do you, you you just mean that Hitler could do all that bad yeah. stuff and get away with it? Yeah. I mean, he's dead, but yes. You know, then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, fairness is important to them. I guess it kind of depends on the religious tradition you're looking at. I mean, are you are you talking about the stupid ones? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but seriously, I mean, are are you looking at... Uh, Jewish religious traditions where, you know, unless you're one of the chosen people, you're not getting into heaven. There is no hell. Are you looking at more traditional Christian views where all you have to do is accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and it doesn't yeah. matter what you and, did up until yeah. that, up until that moment, you'll be saved and fine and can spend the rest of your days in heaven with Adolf Hitler and all of the other serial killers <laughs> that chose to repent or accept Jesus? Mm-hmm. Or are you talking about? Was I here? Calvinists. For yeah. Oh, the Calvinists. Calvinists. Oh, where, where it's all predetermined. Yeah, where yeah. it's all predetermined. It doesn't really matter. That's a shitty one. <laughs> it is a shitty one. I don't understand oh, Calvinists yeah. at all. Uh. Uh-uh. But he's not just a Christian fascist, however, though he goes to great lengths to in- to avoid endorsing white nationalism, instead preferring terms such as economic nationalism. Or European identity movements, which is funny because he, I'm sure, is the type of person who would say that he hates identity politics. <laughs> his many references in high regard for the French novel The Camp of Saints belie his fear and hatred for non-white, especially Middle Eastern and Indian groups. The Camp of Saints is a novel depicting Europe invaded by a wave of millions of Indian refugees fleeing some great catastrophe, engaging in orgies, Raping and pillaging Europeans following a no shit, our writer is totally serious, shit-eating leader referred to as turd eater. It sounds like something I would say. That's, that's the camp but... of saints is, is about Europe being invaded by tons and tons of Indian people hmm. carrying out orgies and raping and pillaging European countryside. And, and eating turds. And... Oh. And following and following a a leader referred to as the turd eater because this leader eat literally eats shit I, in this book. It, I are, misheard are, you. I thought you said it was some Indian name Indian leader named Terditer. I am Terditer. I mean, I'm, I come to rape your wife, Terditer. Are we sure that a five year old child didn't name this character? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the author of the book, so I don't know. Wow. I wanted to play a quick audio clip here with Steve Bannon talking about the racist novel, The Camp of the Saints. This situation in Syria just didn't pop up last week. You can't say it any other way. It's been uh, almost a Camp of the Saints type invasion. Really, it's not a migration. It's it's really an invasion. I call it the Camp of the Saints. Off of the um, apocalyptic novel written in France back in the 1970s, and people said were racist and nativist. I mean, this is Camp of the Saints, isn't it? It is racist and nativist. Yes. Kind of global Camp of the Saints. We are in an outright war against jihadist Islam 
Islamic fascism. What we call this Muslim invasion of Europe. I don't know how you call it any other thing, but a, a Muslim invasion. This thing just didn't happen by happenstance. These are not war refugees. It's a, something much more insidious going on. Motherfucker. He's saying that they're not war refugees? Does, no, I actually agree with him. Does he? You, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is something far more insidious going on. Yes, indeed. What's that? That that he thinks this seventies novel is a fucking documentary that's coming true right now. <laughs> that he thinks this is some sort of invasion planned by the Middle East and Indian peoples. Fucking God, you're insane. Terdeter. Terdeter. Excuse me, Terdeter. <laughs> that he that he No, I, I honestly didn't react to the Terdeter because I was too fucking shocked. Yeah. Well and <laughs> that he that he seems completely oblivious to the fact of all of these wars in the Middle East and all of the people being displaced from their homes in the Middle East, they are fucking, they're refugees. Yes. Yeah, no, he, he, they have no home. It's not, it's not that they're destroying their own countries no. in the hope of being taken in as refugees somewhere, dying by the tens and hundreds of thousands in order to secretly, not quite so secretly, infiltrate Western civilizations and European civilizations to follow somebody who eats shit. Well, it's, like people are proud of where they come from. People are usually, you know, nationalistic about their their home country. You know, you you kind of like where you grew up. You like it. A lot of these people usually. A lot of these people quite like Syria before it went to shit and yeah. really didn't want to fucking leave that country yeah, until they were forced to when their houses leaving. were fucking bombed and demolished. Yeah, they're not leaving because their city is in great repair. Yeah, and their homes are still standing. Yeah, here's if, the here's the news, Bannon. India and Syria were civilizations while the countries you come from were still full of Neanderthals. <laughs> they haven't been come, trying to come over here until now, when, until until after 10 or 12 years of our meddling in the Middle East. Tell it their country has been reduced to a pile of rubble. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there is something insidious going on. And it's all coming out of this asshole's pie hole. And from George W. Bush's administration. There's something deeper when they see the potential of civilizational jihad as personified uh, by this uh, migrant crisis. There's clearly a fifth column here in the United States that that needs to be dealt with. And don't we have a problem? We've looked the other way on this legal immigration that's kind of overwhelmed the country. When you look and it's got 61 million, 20 percent of the country is immigrants. Right, yeah, no, is that uh, not is that not a massive problem? We just got to. What percentage of the United States would he say are is immigrants? Well, I, I would say 85. <laughs> I mean, this, I, this, uh, well, if you, I'm, just, I'm trying to think of what kind of time scale we're thinking on. A biblical scale. Oh, biblical scale. <laughs> 99. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go about 99%. <laughs> we kind of wiped out a lot of the original inhabitants. Yeah. Of does, this does, he, does he think his Irish Catholic ancestors started here? Does he think? Does he think? Well, Virginia, but he thinks he has every right to it. Well, does and he even think Virginia even, is Ireland. Well, and even if he doesn't think that they may have started here, he still thinks that they are better than the indigenous then, peoples, yeah. than than the than the savages that were here before. That not a massive problem. We just got to figure out who is here. There's at least some portion of quote unquote Muslims that are you know quote Wait, unquote, unquote Muslims. Yeah. What What does that mean? They're not real um, Muslims. So what the fuck is he talking about? So you I don't could know. just do that? So he's a quote-unquote politician? Well, that's actually true. <laughs> he's a, a quote-unquote Christian. He's a quote-unquote American. Yeah. Really? 
if not radicalized, at least uh, believe in Islamic supremacy. These are not Jeffersonian Democrats. Motherfucker, you believe in Christian supremacy. What is the difference here? You're talking a difference in um, beliefs of which invisible sky wizard you want to yeah. follow. That's in which, it. In which way you've been radicalized. No, but see, the difference is Jesus. Not some Middle Eastern leader that started that religion like the Muslims. The Middle Eastern leader. Oh, shit. That started our religion. Islamic <laughs> 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 supremacy. These are not Jeffersonian Democrats. These are not people with thousands of years of, of uh, understanding democracy in their DNA. You only vet if you're going to let them in. Why even let them in? Those given the high honor of admission to the United States should support this country and love its people and its values. We cannot allow a beachhead of terrorism to form inside America. We cannot allow our nation to become a sanctuary for extremists. Yeah, because we've already got enough and they're Christian. Yeah, too late. The White House is full of extremists. Hi, this is Justin Schieber, formerly of the Reasonable Doubts podcast and currently of Real A Theology, and you are listening to The Godless Revolution. 40%, 45% of the American people believe literally in Adam and Eve, believe literally that the world is only 6,000 years old. Mm. I mean, that's a shocking figure, and mm. you can't duck out of it by saying, oh, sophisticated theologians mm -hmm. don't, don't believe it. Unfortunately, what sophisticated theologians believe isn't really relevant to what the majority of Christians do believe. Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast now. Yeah, the, the more that I read about this guy and learn about him, the more terrifying he becomes. I mean, people say, oh, no, that kind of stuff can't happen again. We won't, we won't see a crazy person. No, but Hitler was elected. Mussolini was elected. Well, dude, they were saying this in 2007. Yeah. That we'll, we'll never elect somebody as dumb and inept as George W. Bush. We'll never, we'll never see somebody as dim-witted and, and, and ignorant as George W. Bush. And the very next time the Republicans got a chance, they fucking beat it. <laughs> they beat it by a mile. Yeah. You couldn't have asked for somebody who who was worse in every one of the bad categories than this guy. Yeah, I actually, and they did it. Right now, I quite like. And it wasn't Bush. even ten years. God. Bannon has also referred heavily to an author known as Alexander Dugan. Dugan has been referred to by policy wonks and national security experts as Putin's Rasputin. He's the author of The Foundation of Geopolitics, work that has functioned as the guideline for Russian policy as long as Putin has been in power. It calls for the dividing of the Western liberal democratic order, especially dividing the European Union and the Atlantic, think English-speaking, allied countries. Uh. England, Ireland, Scotland. Brexit! Wales. Yeah. 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 Brexit, yep. We got Brexit. We've got Scotland thinking of leaving again. Hmm. Dugan sees a battle between civilizations, a clash between Atlanticist, Atlanticist and, and Eurasian. Eurasian powers. So, 
how small are these factions going to get? <laughs> Cause, mm. You know, until it's just his little town on his little street. Well, if it goes too far, we'll just be factions of small mobs running around fighting each other. I know, but we had a nuclear the, war. But it sounds like a libertarian paradise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but just just a paragraph ago, it was you know the the whole Middle East and and South Asia. Now it's the Atlanticists versus Eurasians. Yeah. Okay. He calls for. Genuine, true, radically revolutionary, and consistent fascist fascism. Ooh, that's a double fascist. Mm. <laughs> and it's radical. Double yeah. fit, double fascisting. <laughs> <laughs> double fascisting. <laughs> nice. His, <laughs> his writing and Russian information operations, including support for far-right movements, has significantly increased the following of nationalist, nativist, traditional and so-called identitarian movements, hmm. including the National Front in France and Jobbik in Hungary, to which National Security Advisor Sebastian Gorka belongs. Huh. Bannon's documentary, Generation Zero, demonstrates his deep conviction in the validity of the strauss and how generational theory. It is worth noting that Strauss and Howe are neither academically accredited historians or sociologists. Uh This theory argues that each generational cohort tends to share a sort of overarching personality type, which expresses itself in the policies and large-scale events the generation enacts. These personality types are derived from their upbringing, influenced by their parents' generation's actions and the external events to which they are subject. Mm. Uh, Sort of like. Generational racism. Yeah. You know, and, and religious beliefs. Yeah. And you can also, I would say, throw economics in there. If you come from a very poor family, it's very likely that you're not going to go rise much further. For example, the World War II generation heroically rose to the challenge of World War II and established great public works. Mm-hmm. The silent generation and Gen X were largely overshadowed by their predecessors, and the boomers squandered their inheritance. Yes. In addition, Strauss and Howe predict that every 80 years or so, some great calamity tends to befall civilization due to the ebb and flow of the generational cycles of greatness falling into decadence and corruption. In accordance with this, Strauss and Howe predict in the fourth turning that the millennial generation, much like the World War II generation, will have to rise to a calamity set to befall us at any time. So let's make that happen. The Trump administration seems like that might be that calamity that has befallen us. I've got an audio clip here with a little bit more from Steve Bannon. Come horribly off track uh, in the years uh, since the fall of the Soviet Union. And we're starting uh, now in the 21st century, which I believe strongly is a crisis both of our church, a crisis of our faith, a crisis of the West, and a crisis of capitalism. Uh, and uh, we're at the very beginning stages of a very brutal and bloody conflict. Hmm. I wonder what well, he'll do to bring that about. Yeah. He's trying. Of which if the people in this room and the people in the church do not bind together and really form what I th- feel is an aspect of the church militant, to really be able to not just stand with our beliefs, but to fight for our beliefs against this new barbarity that's starting, uh, that we will literally eradicate Everything that we've been bequeathed over the last uh, 2,500 years. Okay, can can he we... wants to start a church militant? Yeah, 
can we have at least at a minimum if if we're not going to demand that our politicians have at least a, a a high school diploma or some you know some other equivalent Whoa. form of education or intelligence can we at least demand that they pass a fucking mental health exam so we don't have all these fucking psychopaths <laughs> and paranoid schizophrenics in the white house jesus christ well if if we can't keep psychopaths from getting guns Obviously, we can't keep them beginning getting into the White House. Well, maybe we could if we didn't have psychopaths in the fucking White House. True. That's why they, that's why they got in there like, I want to get my guns back, but they say I'm crazy. God. Yeah, we have more people dying from gun deaths here in the state of Utah. Mm-hmm. But instead of addressing, you know, making guns more difficult or more safe. They want you to give they, them. Well, and and they restrict the legal driving limit. Of alcohol from yeah. 0.08 to 0.05. Mm-hmm. Which proves nothing. It, it does, does nothing. absolutely it's, nothing. It's all in an effort to save lives, though there are other steps that they could take that would actually fucking accomplish that goal. Yeah, well, you know, as as my sister says about that 0.08 to point, uh, 0.5 or whatever, they're, they're punishing the wrong end of that. Yeah. Yes. Because uh, I thought when the statistics came out, the people that traditionally or have are usually get involved into vehicle accidents, especially ones with fatalities, were like more than double the legal limit. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it. Uh, I listened to an episode of Radio West earlier today, and I believe the the number that was quoted on there was point one two. Yeah. That that like yeah. seventy or eighty percent of all DUI ac- actual accidents or yeah. fatalities. Are people who are point one two or higher, which is is a lot. Uh huh. And that they did they did studies with people doing drinking tests mm-hmm. uh, for both their reaction times and uh, and officers. Our first <laughs> officers. I'm not drunksing. <laughs> and an officer's ability to uh, spot when somebody is intoxicated or. Well, I took part in one of those things. Yeah, and it, they they could not tell yeah. the difference at point oh five. Oh, they couldn't tell I was drunk at point oh eight. Oh yeah, I w- I had to years go- of practice. Yes. <laughs> no, I went in and they would they were giving us drinks and they would get us to a certain level of intoxication, then bring us down. And they wouldn't tell us what we're at or the people down there, and they would have to the people down there have to guess is this person legally drunk or not. And when I was over the legal limit, like no, he's good to go. They, they made they made me blow and they're like no he's drunk he's shit faced but they they won't let us get like obnoxiously drunk they would try to keep it like a point oh eight point oh nine so right at the limit which I don't think is horrible anyways huh. but Bannon is firmly convinced that we are on the verge of the calamity and wants to bring it about in order to marshal the forces of what he believes will be a great movement to reset civilization. He hopes to drive this in the direction of his preferred Christian authoritarian government. That that's all that's all I hear from this right now when I'm when I'm hearing this and he wants to wipe out civilization so that way there can be a Christian rule. That's it. It's all about Christian dominionism. Yeah. Who else wants to do that right now? Jihadists. <laughs> well, not the Christian part, but No, but they want to wipe religious out religious dominionism, yes. Yeah, but they want to wipe out and put in their religion. I mean, it's just the right. same thing swapping religions. Right. As a trailing note, Bannon also appears to be willing to take from Russian communist literature what he needs in order to support a philosophy of radical social upheaval from the bottom up. 
he has frequently referred to the workings of Karl Marx, not to support his work against capitalism or his dialectic with, Heg with Hegel, but his message of a people's revolt. He has also compared himself to Lenin in an interview, huh. saying that he, quote, wanted to destroy the state, and that's my goal, too. John want, Lennon, right? I want to bring everything crashing down and destroy all of today's establishment. Never mind, that, that's Jeez. not John Lennon. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah. This is the guy who was sitting on the National Security Council, who has the president's ear, who is like the number two most powerful guy in the fucking White House. Yeah. Wait, wait so maybe, maybe Trump's vision to drain the swamp has yet to come. They they need to they need to blow the clog that's in the bottom of the swamp. They need to just blow the whole thing to smithereens. They need to. They're not going to drain it. They're just going to blow it the fuck up. Bring yeah. everything crashing down and destroy all of today's establishment. Yeah, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, man. yeah. He, he's got to put a nuke in the swamp in order to drain it. I don't like this episode, you guys. <laughs> it like I said as I was going through this, I'm actually a little bit terrified of Bannon now. Bannon has referred to the news media as the opposition party, a rhetorical tool previously used by Lenin. Mm -hmm. When Trump uses the phrase enemies of the people to refer to the press, it was likely under the influence of yep. Bannon. Yep. Mm. It's some scary shit. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not cool. I, I grew increasingly uneasy as I went through all of this. Yeah. We'll take another little break here and finish up on the other side thank you to everybody who has rated the show on itunes and stitcher and are following us on youtube twitter and facebook and to all our patreon patrons you make the show possible well let's talk about a couple things that you brought matt oh sure okay <clears throat> as if we didn't already suspect a classroom is being used as a prayer room mm. at liberty high school in frisco texas Ooh, is this the one where the, some other people weren't allowed to use the prayer room? Give me liberty or give me <laughs> prayer. Mm -hmm. And it's recently got the attention of the Texas Attorney General's office. The office was sent a letter raising constitutional concerns about the room. The Frisco superintendent called the letter a publicity stunt. Ah. It said the prayer room has been in use for several years without complaints. And in other news, victims of murder have never complained, so that's now legal, too. We've oh, been breaking sweet. the law by tradition for so many years. Why change it now? Mm -hmm. Resident Tim Boyer was so unhappy about the prayer room at Liberty High that he went to this week's Frisco school board meeting and spoke his mind and reminded politicians about the law by saying, quote, Liberty High School is not a mosque. It's not a synagogue. It's not a tabernacle. It's not a temple. And it's not a church. It's a school. It's a public school supported by taxpayers for the purpose of educating our children, close quote. It's not a barn. It's not a car. <laughs> it's not a shopping center. Well, because this reminds me of another- It's not a shed. Another story. It's not a truck. Well, it could be. It's not a farm. How can uh, it be a truck? Homeschool. Oh, right. Sure. It's not a comb. <laughs> No, you can't homeschool in a comb. <laughs> That's comb school. <laughs> That's where Donald Trump went. Ooh, and he failed. What was that comb over school? It's not a golf yeah. course. He combed, <laughs> he combed over the curriculum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a really good one, Ryan. <laughs> I, have a, I, I get one a year. The rest of this year will suck. <laughs> I didn't think that was very funny. <laughs> 
fake news, <laughs> fake jokes over here, fake jokes. <laughs> it's not clear how many public schools in Texas have prayer rooms or designated areas where students can pray, but they are in some schools across the state and country. Uh, because it come, when it comes right down to it, religious people aren't so honest and don't mind ignoring the laws that don't suit them after all. The hell you say? Because that reminds me of another story I had read that I thought you were uh, going to be talking about where uh, the school had a prayer room. Where, well, it wasn't really a prayer room. It was like a empty room that wasn't being used by the school. And they said, hey, if you, you know, want to, instead of doing it, and like if you want to do it during your free time and go in there and you can do your religious shit, read your Bible, pray to your God, go in there. Well, some Muslims started using it. Practice your magic spells. Yeah. Um, some Muslim students started using the room as well to pray in, and the city lost their shit that the fucking Muslims were allowed to pray at school. <gasps> They're praying to mm. the wrong God. Yep. Like, they ain't praying to Jabus, so they can't be going and using the prayer room set up for us fucking fine-ass Christians <laughs> to use. <laughs> so, yeah. Christians. So, yeah, there, there was a big... Big to do about it because the Muslim students were using the room to go do their daily prayer ranks. They pray five times a day. Well, how dare they really? I know. Any more good news, Matt? Oh, was that good news? <laughs> um, I do. I do have some good news. Uh, Salt Lake City, Thomas S. Monson, 89, president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and considered a prophet by Mormons, has been hospitalized. Yay! Um, Monson was feeling ill on Monday, April 3rd. After attending the church's general conference last weekend. Well, you'd think at general conference there'd be enough praying at him that he'd be doing just fine. Yeah, you'd think. Well, Jesus just saw how good the church is doing, and so it knows that it can call President Monson home now, and then mm -hmm. someone else can step up and lead the church, and they'll do just as good a job because it's doing good. I bet someone used the wrong 10th level binding spell in their prayer. <laughs> yeah, they need a 12th level. <laughs> yeah. Uh, according to a spokesperson, uh, he has received treatment and fluids and will hopefully be released soon. The mm. Salt Lake Tribune, Tribune reported that Monson remained in the hospital as of this morning, however. Hopefully released from this so, earthly mortal coil soon. Wait, he, he had medical attention and not just prayers? Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing they huh. would take him to a hospital at all, right? So he used think, modern yeah. science to try to help him get better so he could go home? He, he didn't yeah. need just a, a priestly blessing with well, the, with the, uh, with the well, oils? Well, yeah, they didn't dunk him in a vat of, of uh, uh, doTERRA oils? Well, let's be mm. fair, though, and the Mormons will tell you that they believe, they believe in both priesthood and well, taking the pro appropriate measures so uh, that's not how this if, fucking works if you if you have a headache you take two aspirin and a prayer and it'll be cured that's that's <laughs> not how this fucking works <laughs> yeah while lds officials aren't speculating on monson's health a successor is in place should monson leave office russell m nelson 92 wow a thoracic surgeon who since 2015 has been president of the church's second highest governing body the quorum of the 12 apostles would ascend to the position as Monson did in 2008. Well, that's how it works, right? It's yep. just whoever's mm -hmm. been on the goddamn the, the and, next longest. And, and, and he'll die power. just as soon as well. Yeah, so it's it's like, hey, we're always going to have the oldest, yeah. most wretched person that, that has been with the church for decades. It's like, look. Lead the church for five to ten years before they fucking kick the bucket. I was going to say, it's going to get to a point where they're so fucking old, like, eh, we, we get at least one die in a year. <laughs> 
<laughs> Just this constant churn of yeah. dead church leaders. Yeah. You know, the 92 years old. That's the amazing. youngest guy is 84, so we're fucked. Actually, Bednar. I uh, think he's like 50. Who's he getting in bed with? <laughs> David O. Bednar. Oh. Hey. Hey, Bednar. Mm-hmm. Yep. I feel good that I don't know these fuckers' names, really, because I'm like, fuck you, Mormon church. I have them buried way deep. Yeah. In, in, in my brain. Well, some of these guys have probably been around deep enough that I, that I mix been up the their state. middle initials occasionally, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I know L. Ron Hubbard. That's not one of the church leaders. Not oh. the LDS church leaders, anyway. He seems like he'd fit in. actually, he's no longer a leader of any church because he's, he's dead. Because he's dead now. And he used to live in a shoe, right? Uh-huh, on a boat. Yeah. And had so many children he didn't know what to do. And then his uterus fell yeah. out. Wasn't that old, old L. Ron Hubbard? No, he sold the beans. Oh. But there was nothing in the cupboard for the oh, beans. Oh, that's the no. one. That's why they had to get the beans. Yeah. <laughs> but you should have seen that spider that sat on the fucking tuffin. Why wouldn't you just <laughs> eat the goose? I don't know. Because it was way at the top of the beanstalk. Yeah. Well, you got to climb. Well, but then, okay. Sure. But you plant, I mean, you plant the beans and then it grows this big, like, where's the beans on this giant fucking beanstalk? Oh, they're they're boulders. I just told that's not beans a fairy tale. Beans don't grow boulders. <laughs> I was like, what? No, but to you, because the giants, the beanstalk is so giant that the beans at the top are so big and massive. Like they're like so boulders. raven. Like it takes him <laughs> to the giant. It's so giant. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. you guys are talking about now. I don't know either. Nobody knows what goes on in my head. Go- <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> no. Sutton, England. That wasn't a proper uh, uh, vernacular of those words. Suttonly. I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure it wasn't. I think you mean Sutton. Sutton. It is Sutton, England. Is that better? How's that? <laughs> I think is that, that guy. Is that a perfect Crikey, one? Sutton. Crikey. It's no, Sutton, England. No, like, Crikey's Australian, yeah, right? Yeah. Do they yeah. do that? In, do they no, do they say thing? blimey. Blimey. <laughs> All right. They all say cunt. I know that much. I don't even know what fucking <laughs> thing I was doing. It's more like a more like a cartoon voice than it was an accent, really. A uh, Christian who was fired after offering to pray with patients ahead of their surgery has claimed she was unfairly dismissed. Well, the person she was probably fucking forcing them to pray. So- I offered, okay. <laughs> I didn't make them do it. Sarah Kuta, I'm guessing, and that's not a British way of saying cooter. Sarah it should be Sarah Kinte. <laughs> oh God, she's black. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! See, I was gonna make that joke, and I'm like, no, I shouldn't make that joke because Matt might say that. <laughs> so I think you mean her name is Toby. <laughs> yeah, Sarah Toby. Uh, K U T E H. Ah, Kate. Kate. Ku. Uh, was ordered to leave her position. I feel horrible about this. It's just short for cooter. <laughs> right. Now that's the best joke. That's not- <laughs> now that's the most appropriate joke. Uh, Sarah Cooter was uh, ordered to leave her position at Darrant Valley High, uh, High School Hospital in Dartford, Kent, following a series of patient complaints. They won't, you know, they won't be able to listen to this in England. It's like too- we've already started with too much. What libel or whatever fucking laws they have. You can't even make fun of another person without going to prison for the rest of your life. So, uh, one patient felt, uh, Sarah spent more time talking about religion than completing a preoperative questionnaire. 
Mm. Just have to say, if you really believe that prayer is more important than your job at a medical facility, why the hell bother with a nursing degree yeah. at all? Mm-hmm. Any amateur can pray. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing wasting your time and money? Stay home and pray for everybody. And everybody do else's it. time. Yeah. No, in fact, if you think it works, please, please do it. Two reasons. If it does work, you're helping everybody. And if you think that way, stay the fuck home. Because <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> yes. And just do it. Yeah. You don't. What you don't you shouldn't have to be in that person's face, right? It should yeah. work yeah, it should just work. as well. The efficacy yeah. rate should be just as mm-hmm. good wherever the fuck you are. All she's gotta yeah. do is get on Facebook and look up people looking for prayers to help their person their family member in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> they place they place full page ads in the New York Times. <laughs> oh. Please send thoughts and prayers. Right. That'd be a expensive prayer. Text seven oh four seven seven six to send a prayer. <laughs> Despite having been warned against such behavior on two occasions, she persisted. Mm. Nevertheless. Mm-hmm. With questioning patients on religious grounds, following reasonable management requests uh, formed a pivotal aspect of Miss Kuta's contract of employment with the trust. Toby! There had been a fundamental <laughs> breach of trust and confidence. That's, that's going to be an ongoing Sarah joke. Sarah <laughs> had apparently not learned from her mistakes and would not change her behavior. Mrs. Sarah's assertion that she felt compelled to continue <laughs> to hold religious discussions with patients concerned those in charge. Eight complaints were made by, quote, extremely vulnerable patients facing surgery, and the nurse was sacked. Hmm. She was warned, mm. so I don't know what her problem is. She, she wasn't was... in a church. She's in a fucking hospital. Get in line, Toby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we, we've already said it. I mean, she should have just fucking yeah. stayed at home and done that shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or minded her own fucking business. Mm-hmm. Now, I could see if a patient asked, hey, would you pray with me? Or if a patient said, hey, do you know where I can find somebody to pray for me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, don't, it, you don't fucking solicit that shit yeah. in a fucking hospital. Yeah. If a patient asked for, hey, do you know someone that could pray with me or would you pray with me? And then she did and obliged the patient and pray with them. Yeah. I'll, I don't have a problem with that. I'll find a chaplain. Yeah. But I'm a nurse. Right. That's not my, that's not in my job description. Right. Whether, whether I'm religious or not doesn't matter because right now I'm a nurse. Right. Because even me as an atheist and an EMT, if someone was fucking needing help in a time and like, okay, they're stable and they was like, oh, could you pray with me? I'm like, I'll fake it. Hmm. Would you? Well, you're, I, I think you're, I would. You're a dishonest bastard. No, because <laughs> if it, if, if it, you're a rotten bastard. <laughs> no, because. And a liar. <laughs> Comfort's a part of it. Well, maybe they'd feel good with a hand job. Dude, you can, you can just. <laughs> I would. Are you going to oblige that? No. Right. That's that goes comfortable. too far. <laughs> well, I guess we all have our limits. <laughs> that, that, yeah. And apparently, Ryan's limits are not praying. And no, I said I, I didn't say I would pray. I don't know any fucking prayers. <laughs> oh, you said you'd fake it. Yeah, I just fucking like look down at the ground while they did their thing. Yeah. That's me faking it. Oh, if they, oh, okay. So, like if they said, pray with me, and then I'll let them do their prayer, and I'll just sit there next to them while they do it and pretend I'm praying with them uh, or whatever. I thought you meant if you wanted to lead it. No, no, you're, I you're ain't just, fucking. You're just, gonna do, yeah, I'm gonna, you're just gonna do the female orgasm thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'd still give hand jobs. Well, th- there might be a, a more of a legal aspect behind hand jobs, like. Um, and prayer jobs. Well, if you're, if they're not really, I mean, I guess. 
I don't, what, what are they gonna? Are they? I mean, they could ask, right? Yeah, but there's usually cops you're not, around. You're not. There's not a line item on the bill for it. It's not like you're charging them for it. No. Well, we don't charge them for anything. I mean, they're gonna be charged fucking thirty dollars for an aspirin. So, but I mean, the cop might go, <laughs> "Hey." You're soliciting hand jobs. And then jobs. when they say, does that aspirin come with a hand job? You're like, yeah, okay. True story. <laughs> uh, Is that why it's so expensive? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there, <laughs> there, was a, there was a female officer in Iraq that got busted for selling condoms. What? Why is that bad? Oh, because she helped you use them as well. Oh. Why is that bad? Well, she got busted. And... She thought there was a loophole saying, well, she wasn't selling <laughs> sex. She was selling condoms for 50 bucks. Oh, it bucks. was illegal in the country you were in? Well, it's illegal. Prostitution's legal most places. Oh, is that? Especially is that... in fucking the Middle East I and think, on a I military base. Where, I think that's where he's going is that she she was selling. Like, like you could go here in Utah. You used to be able to go to certain restaurants and, and you would buy quote unquote dinner and they would give you bingo cards. Uh, yeah. And so you would play bingo, and if you won, you could win fabulous prizes or sometimes cash or whatever. But you never, you never bought a bingo card. You, you bought, bought dinner, dinner that just yeah. happened to come with a bingo card. Mm. So it's trying to skirt the legal aspect of, hey, I'm a hot chick in the middle of a desert with no other women, and there's a bunch of horny fucking army guys around. Nope, fuck me for fifty bucks. Uh, we heard about this after hearing about her getting punished. No, she actually had to go fill sandbags for the rest of the deployment. Sandbags? Yeah. <laughs> sandbags? Yeah. For the rest of the deployment. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! What other things did you bring? Evolution and religion often evoke strong emotional responses that can seem undeniably incompatible. Yet researchers at Arizona State University have discovered that using a short evolution teaching model focused on the perceived conflict between religion and evolution actually reduced the number of students with this perception by 50%. A big success considering that about half of all undergraduate students identify as religious. So what, they changed the model from a billion years to like a few hundred years for the model of it? To make or they it just make don't give them sense? too much information to uh -huh. swallow at a time? Yeah, yeah, that. Okay. A new evolution teaching module used as part of a recent study is aimed at increasing acceptance of evolution and debunking the idea that students must choose a side. So yeah, by simply avoiding the real science-y part, they can they can preserve all the god botherers little feels. <laughs> yeah, they're they're basically packaging in a way where it doesn't offend them. Right, exactly. In a series of papers published by CBE Life Sciences Education uh, and the American biology teacher Sarah Brownell, Brown no Brownhole yeah, Sarah Brownhole Brownhole. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, that's that's it. It's probably Brownell or something. Yeah. Uh, a School of Life Sciences assistant professor and Elizabeth Barnes, a doctoral student, present research finds that listening more carefully to religious students and discussing religion in the biology classroom improved the student's sense of belonging in the sciences and also 
decrease uh. their perceived conflict between religion and evolution. No fucking shit. Yeah, because you're. <laughs> of course it did, because you stopped talking about science and you started talking about their little comfy place <laughs> and their little believies <laughs> got all in the science class. They're, of they're, course they felt comfortable. Yeah, it sounds like they're going. Oh, by the Ugh. way, your religion is valid. Yeah, exa- it's, exactly. It's one hundred percent true. Exactly right. And guess what? So is this. Yeah. Barnes, lead author of the study, <laughs> study said, <laughs> "Quote: There is a gro- there is growing evidence that there's a disconnect between instructors and students at public institutions in an evolution type class. No shit. For the most part, biology instructors are not religious, yet a large number of their students are. This dissimilarity becomes a problem in learning evolution, which is why we need to teach evolutions in K in evolution in K through twelve. So this gap in knowledge doesn't facilitate the God of the gaps by college age." Hell, a fucking K through twelve kid or a kindergartner doesn't know not to eat glue yet. Yeah, he ain't but gonna that's, fucking understand evolution. Yeah, but we still do all the other stuff. We just don't talk about evolution except for one two week period in the eleventh grade. That's it, and they never say evolution. You know, they're just like, oh, there's a couple of on to the next thing. Have you heard about Charles Darwin? So the first time they ever hear about it is in college after they've had K through twelve religious training. Of course there's a conflict. Of course it makes them more comfortable when you talk about religion in a college biology class. Of course that makes sense. This study says nothing except that we need to cater to religion. No, we need to put science back in science class from K through 12 so that by the time they get to college, when they hear the word God, they say, you're a fucking idiot. I guess the schools in Wisconsin do it, right? Because they taught us all about Charles Darwin and all that biology and evolution and shit in fucking middle school. Yeah, that's amazing. I honestly don't remember what they taught us in school here in Utah. It was all about cell like division and meiosis and mitosis and photosynthesis, all that stuff. That's all. That was like never fifth hear, and sixth grade. Yeah, you never hear anything about. I don't remember them talking human about human evolution. Ever. Yeah, evolution of of different species ever. or we went anything through that, like anything that would Homo sapien the and the hominids and all the different all that shit and stuff in school. Well, yeah, that's just speciation and well, of of through evolution of, you know, man, of humankind. I don't think they, I don't, I don't remember them ever using the word evolution. No, I remember talking about the, you know, the different orders and families and and but also and all of that, but not and and the you know the different groups and shit, but not that evolution is what got all of these different things. I I I also had never had God ever come up in school either though. I know God came up in school. I don't remember any of the teachers specifically saying anything about it. Well, that's why when I joined the military, I was like, "Holy fuck, people believe this shit!" <laughs> like I thought that was like, I thought that was just in movies and yeah. stupid things for <laughs> stupid people. Like I didn't know people actually believed this shit. Here's another cool one. That's short. I like cool short ones. The Religious Brain Project at the University of Utah School of Medicine has a project that aims to use the tools of science to see if maybe there isn't something physical going on in the brain when we have a religious experience. How how can you register something non-physical going on when you can only register? Well, perhaps there is something. I mean, if it's if the way that. So these these are clipped, right? But the, the main article was saying that, you know, if there's something happening in the brain. We ought to be able to see that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so they call it religious. 
we're not believing that. We're going to call it science and figure out what's actually happening. Here. Yeah. What goes on in your brain? Mm-hmm. Well, I thought they've already. When you say you have a spiritual experience. They, they've already done a lot of those tests experience. where they've shown like, hey, the same things, parts of the brain that lights up when this person gets out of a concert and has that experience in that crowd is the same parts of the brain that lights up in this person that just got out of this Yeah, there's some of church. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same parts. Yeah. In the first neurological study to come out of the group's effort, the researchers write, Religious experience uniquely contributes to uh, establishment of social systems with far-reaching consequences for pro- and antisocial behaviors. In short, their brains lit up pretty much the same as brains that are exposed to love, sex, gambling, drugs, and music. They ran the experiments several times and got the same results. Religion is an addiction. It's a, it's a, it lights up the pleasure centers and shit. That explains so much. Seriously, when I read this today, I, cause I've always wondered why do so many adults drive to church on Sundays? You don't have to be there. You don't have to go. You don't have to stay. Why do you do that? Yeah, why do you, why do you have why to be in a up? special building? Yeah, yeah. What is it? They're getting their fix. They're getting their weekly fix. That's why. Especially in 2017, we can just go on Facebook and watch it live. It's all a ritual of it, right? Like, I mean, yeah. alcoholics, when they, when they mix their drink, they have mm-hmm. all the special things that they do. They, they use their, they use their special jigger and their glass mm-hmm. and the ice and they do it in a certain sequence or smokers when they, or they pack their cigarettes pipe. and they pull out the special one and they put it in their mouth and they use their special lighter. They've got all of these different things around the ritual of doing the thing that provides this pleasure. Well, yeah, but it's more than that because then the religious people get to walk out of having their fix and their addiction and look at the smoker and look at the drinker and say, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. You smoke, you drink, you do that, you do this. I'm doing the same thing, but it's different because society accepts it and I'm good and you're bad. So they get this additional high from that. So it's the this high, whole thing. The yeah. high horse. Yeah, the mm-hmm. high horse. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they, they get the high and the high horse. Yep. Yep. The asshole high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Fuck why they that. go every Sunday. That's why. That's why they're willing to stay there for three fucking hours. <laughs> because they can come out and spend the rest of the week judging us. Makes sense. That, I mean, this is all my commentary on the – Yeah. The, I mean, I'm sure the University of Utah doesn't say those things, but <laughs> but, uh, but that's what's really fucking going on. <laughs> We've gotten to the heart of it here on the show. Show over. Last episode. We're done. All right. We, we figured it out? Yeah, we figured it out. So it's not 42. No, we have to finish the other part of the goddamn. <laughs> but we out. figured it all out. No, except ban- oh, ban- yeah. Bannon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bannon. I actually still have more, too, but we don't have to do that tonight. Bannon. So, so it is 42. Bannon to the bone. What's 42? Oh, the answer to the universe. Yeah. Why? Computer said so. Yeah, it just is. It's just 42. But. What? I don't know. Did you say something about 42 that I missed? Did I miss something? Yeah, that's your age now. No, I, I probably got the number wrong. I'm just thinking of. Uh, Wait, what, are you 41? Uh, I'm are you 40? 43. 43. Damn it. Uh, the movie where they try to they they go to space and the guy the Earth is destroyed and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I wasn't going to tell you what it was. I'm like, how long will he stretch it out? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm thinking of it. I'm thinking of it. I'm thinking of Nobody it. Oh, you him. didn't know? Nobody no, tell I, him. no. I knew. I, was, I, I didn't know if I had the right number at first. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, which number? 42. Was it 42? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody tell him. Okay. I'll probably, I'll go rewatch it. It's probably on Netflix. I like that movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. I like the three-part British series better, though. Wait, what? Yeah. The Brits don't do anything better. 
Oh, dude, you're I, in America, Brian. It's, it's the it's, it's the original. <laughs> Only the original, thing they do better. Uh, three part miniseries of is it is lose wars. Wait, we lost wars. You you did hear you did hear Marsh's part on uh, was it Cogdis or was it Scathing? What? Oh, on I think it, it was, was Scathing. Co- athe- I think it was scathing? scathing Atheist. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, what was the Scathing? Cogs? That was pretty hilarious. Yeah. Anyway, uh. There's actually I I like British TV better. I do too. Mostly, yeah. I there's, like there's, a, there's a British Hitchhikers. Yeah, yeah. It's an older one. I think it was done in the '90s, and it was a three-part miniseries. Hmm. Who's in it? Uh, actors. Awesome. I love actors. Yeah. I like when they act in things. True. I mean, that's what they're really good at. Uh, and I think in that one, uh, the ending is completely different hmm. than the book. I never read the book. I only saw the the two movies. The book's pretty funny. Well, I mean, the movies are pretty funny too. But hmm. I've been watching Merlin on Netflix. British Merlin Olsen. Um, nah. Watch Black Mirror. Yeah, I've watched most of those. Oh, I like that show. It's funny that Ryan just liked the pig fucking episode. <laughs> oh. That's the first one. I mean, it, it had me hooked. <laughs> I bet it did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. We, we derailed this shit. Well, I, I wanted to just leave it with. Ryan liked the pig fucking episode, so. <laughs> well, you can, you can cut it. I, yeah, I know it that the way over I want. <laughs> the oh, way I rock. The way over I want. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We will continue the Bannon stuff next week with part two. Part deuce. Part two and an update about what we have learned over the week. Because something's going to happen. And then a whole lot of speculation from us because. Uh, I mean, that's just kind of how we roll. Yeah. I wanted to thank our Patreon subscribers. Mm-hmm. Christy, Andrew, Wesley, Utah Outcasts, Andy Faulkner, Angelica, Taylor, Grant, and Savid. You're all besties <laughs> of the show. <laughs> and we appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, so next week, yeah, we'll, we'll do part two with Steve Bannon. And the week after that, I believe we have author Karen Garst on the yes. shoe. And I'm working on lining up a couple other guests. One one that I've wanted to have on the show for a very long time. And should be fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, they I'm not even gonna I'm they not even, I'm not even going to tell you anything about them. I'm going to use very generic pronouns. Uh, they are a lot of fun. So it's more than one person. No, you don't know that. Well, they. Uh-huh. I mean, if you said them or the person. Maybe it's know. not a person. We're kidding a fucking alien? <laughs> <laughs> that's puppies. <laughs> We've had puppies on the show. Yeah. Uh, no, but that's, uh, that's it for the, for the thing. Goodbye. Right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and you're welcome. Don't destroy the earth or world. Don't ban it. <laughs> <laughs> Lift the Muslim ban in. Journeys <laughs> in America will take at the wheel. Send me
My teachers in elementary school used to get mad at me because I'd draw during class, but then I could always tell them exactly everything. That I'm listening to what you're saying. Yeah, and they didn't yeah. believe me, but then I could recite it back, and they're like, oh, yeah. okay, well, that's fine, I guess. And he does draw a mighty good dick.
Mm-hmm. I did. You know what? <laughs> in fourth grade, we had closets that were like walk-in coat closets, and you turn to the side. I drew a huge ass fucking dick on the, <laughs> on the inside with a crayon. <laughs> I did do that. Oh, that sounds like something there. from uh, 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 Transformers. Auto fucks. He's Auto like, fucks. Let's bone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's got to be some underground like Japanese porno. Butt plug. You'd be just a butt plug. But, but who is the real? What is that a play on? Nothing. Oh, just butt, just butt plug. Just one of the characters would just be a straight up butt plug. You can't you... do much, but he. A lot of people sit on him <laughs> by accident. Sounds like he wouldn't be very effective. Well, what would happen? What would you do if you accidentally sat on a butt plug? <clears throat> Not sure. A surprise butt plug is never good. That's the wiggle close. and giggle. <laughs> <laughs> Should we collapse so we can cut that whole fucking bit? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Hey, my brain goes on tangent. Your mic is still really hot. You well, keep peeking I out. I haven't. I haven't. Uh, maybe I just been talking louder. <laughs> maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're right up on it himself yeah. as well. Yeah. Didn't you have a huh? Moving on thing. <laughs> have a... <laughs> What's that look? It's confusion. <laughs> Squinty quinte. <laughs> All right. Uh, We have derailed this podcast. Yeah, your mission is successful. You're welcome. (laughs)